Revolution Network podcast coming your way, guys. Steve Smee here. This is episode 329. Got Rick in the house. What's up, buddy? Hey, what's up, Steve? What's up, guys? How's everybody doing out there? We also have a guest. Nelson Montana is coming back. Uh, you listened to him on the last one, 328, talking about Prima Bowl. We got into some other topics on steroids. We're going to talk about some uh, Q&As now. Um, and Nelson, how you doing? Uh, doing good. Good to see you guys again. So, guys, today we're going to go over some topics that we, Steve and I have already discussed at some point at length on the podcast. But today we're going to get Nelson's opinion on it. And these are topics that have been hot on the forums. You know, Nelson is also a forum member. He's on evolutionary.org and on EliteFitness.com. Quite there a lot, participating, answering questions, helping guys out. We do have some pretty interesting debates about different subjects. So today we're going to go through about five or six of probably the most uh, popular Nelson Montana debates on the forums. So let's get started. Yeah. The first one is about sweeteners. Um, Nelson, Tana, talk about artificial sweeteners, talk about natural sweeteners like stevia, talk about refined sugar, all these different sweeteners that guys are using. What are your thoughts on these artificials, these natural uh, sweeteners, the refined uh, sweeteners? Well, I've gone through different opinions, different studies over the years with this stuff. And Rick and I were talking about this. Sometimes the more you learn about something, the more you start to simplify things. And uh, when it comes to sweeteners, what I recommend now, it's going to sound crazy. It's going to sound completely uh, in opposition to what most people say. I like cane sugar. I think when you come right down to it, it tastes the best. It's natural. And you don't have to go crazy with it. I'm not talking about slugging down sodas and cakes and cookies, but um, all artificial sweeteners, personally, I find them, they taste like shit. And even something like stevia, which is supposedly natural, has been shown to cause kidney damage. So, uh, and aspartame is uh, cancer causing. So I would tell people, if you're gonna sweeten something, if you're gonna have like a protein shake, just use a tiny bit of sugar. That's it, tiny bit. Spoon. I'll let Rick in, in this, but what about like raw honey and, and raw maybe agave syrup? What about those? Wait, well, like those two? Anything from nature, basically, you're saying, yeah, right? That's not, I mean, honey is going to give it a honey taste, which you may not want. But uh, and agave, too, has got a little bit of a flavor. I mean, that's, they're fine, but agave is almost like corn syrup. Yeah, yeah, so maybe not agave, but like raw honey, because I, I use raw honey at home. What's funny, though, I found out recently I'm allergic to certain honeys. Because, really? uh, because when the bee pollinates, whatever, if they get the pollen from something you're allergic to, you'll be allergic to the honey. I actually learned that recently because I started sneezing. We using uh, clover honey makes me sneeze, but really? I can use different types of honey. Wildflower does not make me sneeze. So I learned that recently. That's yeah. I thought that was amazing. That just proves how nature gives us sweeteners, you know? So well, well yeah. honey is actually a good food. It's better than cane sugar, obviously. Um, and I don't know if a lot of people know this, that bacteria cannot live in honey, um, which is why you don't have to refrigerate it. And when people talk about using honey for a sore throat, it isn't so much that it's soothing, but bacteria can't cling to the tonsils or the throat area when you have hunt when it's coated with honey, which is another reason. Honey's also good for open wounds. I had an open wound in my leg on my calf and it, and doctors uh, pour honey in pretty much every day until it closed. It's actually used in Ayurvedic uh, medicine as an eye wash. I wouldn't suggest people putting honey in their eyes, but, you know, it can be. Honey is the optimum sweetener. But, uh, again, realistically, if we're talking about protein shakes and stuff like that, I would stay away from artificial sweeteners. You know, when it comes to artificial sweeteners, it's just, 
look, just get used to your shit not being sweet and call it a day. It's just, there's just no reason for it. Or if you definitely want to taste something sweet, then do it in moderation and just get real sugar or honey, or I like a, a wave syrup is good, but artificial sweeteners have problems to have issues. I'm actually, as we were talking, I, I looked it up because I've been coming across a lot of this information. Artificial sweeteners fuck things up within your gut flora, all of your gut biome of every bacteria that's there coexisting, helping you digest your food, get rid of stuff. It throws it all out of whack. It, it's become to toxic. I'm looking at a, uh, a study here. Uh, let's see here. It's from the, it's published in the Journal of Molecules. And uh, researchers uh, tested six common artificial sweeteners on microbes that are commonly found in your gut. And they found that the sweeteners have a toxic effect. You know, the, the, the last thing you want to do is upset the balance in your gut over you just being a fucking baby and not being able to just have your stuff plain. You know, I just. Yeah, say, what a lot of people don't realize is uh, artificial sweeteners were meant to be a sweetening enhancement. In other words, if you use a little artificial sweetener with sugar, it'll make everything sweetener, sweeter. But when you use artificial sweetener by itself, does it taste like sugar? It, I don't know. I, I can't even see think it, that people you think know, that's even sweet. It just tastes like shit. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Something like stevia or something like aguave, a syrup, you know, things like that are decent, are decent replacements. But I mean, that's as far as I would go. Stevia is decent. It just, it just has an effect at your mouth and then it doesn't do anything to your gut flora that, that that's detrimental. It's actually really good. If you're going to do something, if you absolutely have to have something sweet, I think, I think Stevie is the way to go. What do you guys think? Well, I think this, this sweet, you know, sweet and low and equal crap is so bad. I see people using that all the time because they think it's zero calories that it's okay. They think, yeah, if, if a fat person takes a bunch of sweet and low and equal and aspartame and all this crap, these artificials, they think that they're, that's not going to affect their weight loss. And it does because your body still reacts to it and you still keep a sweet, you know, the sugar addiction going. So I would argue that if you're overweight and you're trying to lose weight, even though artificial sweeteners are zero calories, they're still going to hurt your weight loss. And we see it all the time with Weight Watchers. People who do Weight Watchers, they drink diet soda and they can't lose weight because the diet soda, okay, it's zero calories, but it's still affecting your body, obviously, rather than drinking water. When you put water in your body, it does something. When you put diet soda in your body, it does something different. So, I mean, that's just common sense. So we have to get away from this whole calorie thing. Oh, it's zero calories. That must be good for me. That doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. I'm sorry. It's doing, it's doing it something because I've seen, I've seen people that act like they're fucking addicted to, to Pepsi-Cola or to Coca-Cola. They act like they're addicted to, 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 these, um, to these Diet Cokes. I mean, they, they, I think I've seen people act obsessed obsessive over these diet drinks more so than just regular sugar which and is what's pretty, ironic is that it's pretty sugar, weird to me sugar is actually an appetite suppressant so <laughs> having a little sugar if, you, if, if your concern is uh you know weight loss you're better off having a little bit of sugar the only your mother used to say don't eat any sweets before dinner it kills your appetite well it does so yeah i'm not anti-sugar i'm obviously too much of it is no good for you but the artificial sweeteners are worse you know, the way our, our bodies are, are basically evolved and, and it doesn't happen anymore because we've grown up with cane sugar readily available now for decades. But the way our bodies evolved, if you had like, like five grams of sugar, you get high. 
you get you literally get high like lazy high like you like you smoke marijuana you know ancient man didn't have sugar available to them all the time sometimes you catch some trees where the where the fruit was just falling off the tree or you catch you know you climb up and and you know risk getting stung by a bunch of bees to to bring down a panel and share it with your with your tribe you get high off of that you literally get a high with with the calm down with everything sugar will give you a high in your brain it's just because we're so used to having it now it's just it's just normal it's normal to fucking slam five grams of sugar into your brain every day and boop, don't even feel anything but really we're also used to having a lot more food i mean if you eat a potato 10 minutes later it's, it's no different than eating a bunch of sugar i mean it just turns to glucose Soil depletion and, and the nutrients in food sources. I mean, that, that's a different, that's a completely well, well, sure, but I'm saying it, it's still glucose is glucose. And yeah, if you have too much glucose in your system, you're going to get that high. You're talking about that sugar rush. You're going to get the, the, the insulin response. You're going to get the fat deposit. You're going to get all that stuff. But that, that's a matter of, again, you know, just being judicious. And it's like, sometimes you talk to people and it's like, you know what? It, 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 if you're a bodybuilder, you're not going to be eating bowls of Fruit Loops and, and Twinkies. I mean, you got to use some common sense. So, yeah, it comes down to that. But, but I agree with what you're saying. I agree with what Steve's saying. They think that, oh, it's zero calories, so I could have as much of this as I want, and it has no effect. And that's just absolutely not the truth. I actually dated a girl. She couldn't sleep at night because she was so addicted to diet soda. That's all she would drink. She wouldn't drink any water, nothing else. No juice, no water, nothing. just diet soda. Addiction is an addiction. Yeah. Yeah. And she couldn't sleep at night and she'd say, Oh, I have insomnia. So then she went on pills for insomnia. Oh. <laughs> and it's just, like, look, like, what is wrong with people? Like, you know what I'm saying? They just look, don't see when, it. When, I, when, you, when you see somebody obsessively chasing what, what's really a, a cat, what's supposed to be a calorie neutral compound, that looks like a drug to me. I mean, why are you chasing the, this diet soda if, it, if it's not giving you calories? It's doing something else to you some sort of addiction and i'm sure as the years go by this is this is going to come out but yeah it's, it's not normal i've seen how people act around around diet dry diet drinks that gotten addicted well they market it as weight loss and they marketed diabetics which really pisses me off because you notice diabetics who drink a lot of diet soda they continue needing to go on more insulin or more metformin or whatever diet drugs they and i got a lot of relatives that are type 2 diabetics so i know this but it's like that's they they market it and that's they should be ashamed of themselves. I think there should be like lawsuits and stuff because that makes the diabetic more insulin resistant by consuming all this diet crap, all these diet sodas with these with these artificial sweeteners. So I mean, we 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 know this. I mean, it's been 20, 30 years of studying this stuff. We can see that. So I think I think these companies should be ashamed of themselves what they're doing to people, misleading them. You know. So, yeah. So let's, let's talk about, let's go from talking about bad stuff to, to good, good foods. Uh, so Nelson, you're a big fan of eggs. You talk highly about eggs. Um, what are some bodybuilding foods that you recommend and why do you love eggs so much? And, and talk about some other bodybuilding foods that you, you love. Well, the reason I like eggs is, well, I think it's the up ultimate bodybuilding food is it's essentially a perfect food. If you think about it, an egg is everything um, has everything that's needed to create life. And uh, the protein content is great. And, um, and this has been discussed. People used to get rid of the, well, actually the old timers used to eat the yolks. It, in the 90s, it became that everybody started just eating the whites because that's the protein. But the, 
What people don't realize is there's a protein complex and there's an amino acid ratio and some of it is in the yolk. Even though the yolk is mostly fat, there is that. So you're really getting a more complete protein when you eat the whole egg. And uh, people are afraid of cholesterol, which is kind of a joke for bodybuilders because what do you think, how do you think you make testosterone? Make it from cholesterol. So you need some cholesterol in the system. Um, so what, what I would do a few times, I, you know, I trained for a, a show is I'd like make a half a dozen hard boiled eggs and just pop them throughout the day. And it's like, you know, 10 grams of protein, 10 grams of protein. And um, they also claim that it increases um, testosterone. Now, you guys know Kellogg's cereal, right? Do you know Kellogg, the guy who started it, was one of these sanitarium health nut guys who believed in, you know, a weird shit, like a electroshock therapy. And- I, I did an article about him. And and then Ke- Ke- Kellogg, Kellogg's would keep it from masturbating. It was like, yeah, yeah, don't yeah. masturbate he, to Kellogg. He was against masturbation, yeah. <laughs> right, right. I, uh, I, I want to read that because I think he's an interesting character. Uh, so, you know, so he started using corn uh, you got you got you got to go you got to go activate the machine on that nelson that's nelson's house phone what's that somebody's phone is ringing whose phone that, is that? that that's 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 gone um okay. but the reason for him developing cornflakes is he believed that young men eating eggs gave them impure thoughts in other words it increases testosterone and they were getting horny so the way to stop them from being horny oh i'm sorry i'm cutting this up Kellogg is calling Nelson. Now they're gonna like they're gonna they're gonna get him now for saying this. You're in trouble, Nelson. They're hiring a guy to come after you for this. You know what? I'm working. I tell you, talk to you later. Bye. All right. Um. So yeah. So uh, yeah, that's that's the way to do it, Nelson. Keep your pimp. Hey, hey, uh, you just did you just see that, Steve? That's a man (laughs) keeping his pimp head strong. Picked up. He's like, I'm working. Bye. Boom. I just had to say that. Guy. So anyway, so yeah, as far as other bodybuilding foods, I mean, you know, it's, it's the same stuff. You know, you want to go high protein. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not a believer in the ketogenic diet. We could talk about that. I'm, I'm adamantly against it, actually. But um, yeah, tell us, tell us about that. Tell us the ketogenic diet. Tell us what it is and then tell us why you're against it. Well, the concept is if you remove carbs from your diet, you start using fat for fuel. But the body doesn't work like that. The body's, you know, the human body's been around, I don't know how long, 10,000 years or something. But uh, you can't suddenly decide, oh, this is what you're going to make the body do. We use carbs for instant energy. We use fat for long-term energy. So if you're going to run a sprint, you're using carbs. If you're going to walk a mile, you're using fat. So the concept of cutting carbs out doesn't really make any sense because you're not going to suddenly shift to fat, burning fat more effectively. Now, people say like, oh, but I lost weight. Yeah, there's two reasons you lost weight. Number one, you're dehydrated. And number two, you ate less. Because people think like, oh, but I'm eating pork chops and lamb chops and you know, hamburgers, but how much of that can you eat? Ultimately, if you cut all the carbs out of your system, you're gonna eat less food. And also, most people don't realize they just eat too many carbs. Carbs are easy to eat. I could have a loaf of bread and a bottle of soda and I'll be hungry in 10 minutes. So. You know, it's not a matter of cutting carbs entirely. It's a matter of, you know, keeping them at a reasonable level. But when you do the ketogenic diet, you're essentially um, depriving your body of necessary energy and you're also depriving your brain because you need the blood sugar for the brain for clear thought. So, uh, so I'm just against it. I just think it's, um, 
it's a bad idea. And I also happen to think that Lyle McDonald is a dick, but that's, that's another story. All right. So, yeah. So Rick, you want to jump in on, you have any other uh, thoughts on that or? No, I, I well, um, Nelson is not wrong that actually having carbohydrates is, is part of a good balanced diet nutrition. There is one thing though, and that is that, and like Nelson mentioned, our, our human bodies have been in this form now, it's just over a hundred thousand years. We think every time they keep pushing it back, but we're up to about a hundred thousand years that the human form has been in its form that it is right now. And carbohydrates, simple sugars, simple carbs, they give us a, a brain release of feel good hormones, just like orgasms do. And just like a lot of things that help to help push, you know, survival forward do. So every time you have simple carbohydrates, simple sugars, you get a, you get a little bit of a high. It's, you get a, it's built into your reward center. So when you do, you know, like I like to do time-restricted feeding, intermittent fasting, water fasting, dry fasting, you're able to kind of reset that and, and get off the crack pipe, get off the, that addiction to those carbohydrates, to those feel-good hormones that you get out of the carbohydrates which which is a problem and like and like nelson just said yes sugars carbohydrates they'll satiate your hunger right away but then you're fucking hungry again just a couple hours later and then you you keep that up you keep feeding those sugars three days later the hunger is you just can't you just can't resist and then after a month of, of you know just getting used to having you know 10 20 50 60 grams of simple sugars in, in your diet every few hours whatever Man, you, that's when you get those hunger pains, those cravings. That's when your stomach and everything hurts. That's when you feel lightheaded. Like you could be a, a fat fuck, 25% body fat. And if it's noon and you haven't had breakfast, you literally sit there and say, oh, I'm lightheaded. I've got no energy. What about all those fucking pounds of fat you got on you? So although what, what Nelson's saying is absolutely right, I think the, the real, the biggest advantage we found nowadays to, to going keto or, or fasting or, or really just minimizing that, that fucking insulin release to your body through the day is just that you get rid of all those hunger pains. You know, your, your leptin ghrelin levels are just normalized just right. You don't get that nasty, lightheaded headaches, you know, which That's all true. That's all it's true. not really, which is not really hunger, by the way. There's no way you're lightheaded and this hungry when you've got pounds and pounds of pounds, thousands of calories inside of your body already under your skin, you're fat, right? So why are you fucking lightheaded? Because you haven't eaten three hours. Really, all those things are signs of just somebody who's just stupidly addicted to carbohydrates, which 99.999% of the population in the world is. And, and that's where you get, that's where you get those hunger pains and you're just unable to. So I think, I think that's, that's the power of the keto is it helps, helps get rid of some of that hunger when, if you do it right, obviously. Well, I got to disagree with that because I think what keto does, it does force people not to maybe break the habit of carbs, which is a good thing. But um, yeah, you can be a fat fuck, but if you haven't eaten in 12 hours, your brain hasn't got the glucose going to it. You are going to feel that dizziness and lightheadedness. Um, I, I think the key is to keep the moderation. I mean, the old chart that they had in the classrooms, you know, back in the 1950s, you know, the pyramid, you know, meats and vegetables and all that, it's not really that bad. It's okay to have a little bit of carbs, a little bit of sweets. And also, if you have it with other food, like if you have some sweetness, a sweet potato or something with uh, some vegetables or some carbs, some fat, it slows the absorption of the sugars. So that I think is just a healthier approach. 
I think taking the, the keto thing is just a little too extreme for me. Um, and and I, I don't know anybody who just stayed on keto full time. At some point, you got to go off. And then you got the habit all over again, like we were just talking about. Then you get those sugar cravings. Oh, I'm going to start eating sugar again. I'm you're right back to square one, right? My, yeah, my, you're, you're absolutely right. You're, abs yeah. you're absolutely right about that. Yeah, it's not, it's not a fully whole time sustainable thing. I, I do think, though, if you, if you practice keto on off on off, your body will switch back and forth a lot quicker. Your body will train your body to where you, you're, when you're depleted in calories, your body will switch over to that store fat a lot quicker before it starts making you fucking insane and, and putting you through hell, basically, which is, which is what your body does, right? So I think, um, you know, the key, I think the, the mental training when you, when you adopt like low carbohydrates, low body fat, the mental training for like a more sustainable lifestyle, that's probably the best tool for it. Because look, at the end of the day, if you really want to get lean and lose fat, Fuck keto, fuck, fuck everything. You really just have to be in a caloric deficit. Caloric fucking deficit and eat right. I mean, that, that's the bottom line, right? Absolutely. But, and you yeah, know what yeah. I think is, uh, it's funny that you're talking that because when I did the, the last show I did, which was seven years ago, I was on a strict diet. And I was very low carbs, obviously. You're training for you know, a contest, you got to be cut. And that, was a, that required a great mental discipline. And when I was on it, I thought like, oh, this is terrific because I've developed this discipline, absolutely no sugar, absolutely none of this. But you know what? Once that show was over, I went in the other direction because I was so it happens, yeah. Myself that yeah, I'm like, happens, I could get yeah. away with an ice cream. I could get away with this. I could get away, you know. So you got to be careful with that as well. I mean, there's a lot of factors. I, I think it's best to um, really just try to control your urges and to always, you know what? Every time you go to eat, just say, I'm, I'm going to eat healthy right now. That's it. I'm going to eat healthy. It might include some carbs, but. If you think that way, you avoid all that sort of impulse eating that, that Rick is talking about. And just, just as a, and again, we're talking about getting into, into a little me the mentality of it, little mental tricks. You know, after I do a, a two-day water fast, two-day dry fast, when I come off of that, I'm automatically judging everything I put in my body from that point on. I, I've psychologically kind of reset my body. I feel looser, cleaner, right? And so for the next, you know, few weeks, I tend to really like, all right, I already cleansed my body a couple of days, water fast. Now I'm going to be really conscious of everything I put in it. And obviously as time goes on, that may break down a little bit, but I've always found that a good crutch, a good 48 hour, hour, hour water fast will help me reset right away. And then I'm, I'm automatically more conscious of everything that goes in my body because I just spent two days not putting anything in. So it's, it's even... Even the mental aspect on, on that end also helps helps to it helps you reset that switch, but which is kind of what you did, right? But you did it for a contest. But I mean, how many how many times a year can you really can you really compete? That's but you it. can decide to do a water fast, a two day water fast, once a month just to reset. And and if it, and if all it does is it makes you eat really clean for two three weeks, fuck it, do it again. You know, it, anything anything you can you can you can do to trick your brain to to, to continue to build the right habits is is something I'm I'm always for. Well, Nelson, are you, are, do you know much about time-restricted eating, fasting? What's your thoughts on those? Well, I think a 48-hour fast is a little extreme, at least for me. You're sort of a thin guy. You've never had trouble being overweight or being fat. See, well, Steve and I are, are, are a pudgy Actually, That's okay. I just want to hear what Nelson has to say. Rick, 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 Rick is very much. Uh, but Nelson, what's your opinion? I'll, get, I'll be honest. What's your opinion? Uh, well, I'll, I'll address Rick's point that I am a natural ectomorph. So yeah, I've been able to get away with a little bit more. I'm, I'm thin. You know, when, when I start, to, when I stop training, I don't get fatter. I get scrawnier. Um, but uh, 
48 hours, I think, is a little extreme for a fast. I don't think it's really necessary. Um, everyone's different. Um, fasting can start to be catabolic after a while. You got to be careful with that. Um, and, and, you know, as far as timing goes, I got to tell you, I was so into timing all my nutrients and food combining and all that. Once again, I think the older I got, the more experienced I got, I, I became, it just got simpler to me. Again, I don't think the body really reacts quite that way. It's, it's a long-term thing. It's almost like protein ingestion. People say you can't have X amount of grams per, you know, per meal. I think that it's just going through your system all day long and your body's going to sort of accept what it needs at the time. So I think that real intricate, you know, nutrient timing thing, it's a little overrated. I, 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 I don't know how much of a difference it really makes one or the other. So, so on your, so you're basically, we're going to talk about what you do later in terms of steroids and supplements where like in terms of diet, you're more of a, like you eat, I mean, you're in New York. So, I mean, that's kind of cheating. You're not in the Midwest because in the Midwest, you don't have a Whole Foods on every corner. You don't, you don't say it. You don't have a mafia run Italian uh, restaurants where you can go get real Italian food. You know what I'm saying? I mean, well, you, well yeah, I mean, there's a little bit more food on the road. Well, I mean, I travel through the South as well. And uh, Miami is in the South. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Miami is not. The South. Yeah, <laughs> you don't my, travel my, through Alabama. Miami is like the fifth borough. Yeah, Miami's not the south. Well, but, but I no no. I, you have to drive through the south to get I to Miami. Maybe? Nelson okay, Nelson okay. drives his truck through through Alabama, Mississippi. I, no, I go through South Carolina and get that barbecue, dude. I mean, <laughs> so I yeah, there's a, there's there's some great barbecue in South Carolina. Incredible. Oh, whole, they do they they spend twenty four hours uh smoking a whole hog. It's just incredible. It's Savannah different. too, but uh, no, I mean basically, you know, look if you're a bodybuilder, you're concerned. Uh, yeah, plan your meals. Go to the grocery store. Just get some good food. I, that, that's my premise. Just have simple, good, solid, you know, wholesome, balanced diet. Don't eat too much. Real simple. I know that that sounds like it's not clever enough, but basically that's what it kind of comes down to. No, I think, I think eating a small amount of food every day is the key to longevity for sure. Because like people who eat a lot, like bodybuilders who are pro body who eat a lot of food, they shorten their lifespan. I mean, that's, 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 that's hard. That's. Well, it's hard on the body. And look, yeah. I don't care if you're 300 pounds of muscle, the body was, the heart is, the human heart wasn't meant to carry around 300 pounds. Hey, hey Nelson, Nelson, do you remember right around the time you used to you were writing for Teen Nation? It's like fucking 20 years ago. You remember who the guy was that wrote the warrior diet, big article that they released on Teen Nation, the warrior diet. I'm, I'm actually, I'm a fucking, I'm going Google it right now. Uh, Deepa Squalor. I think it was De Pasquale, yeah. The, the, so, you know, I was saying, um, you know, this idea I read about on Teen Nation, you know, 20 years ago. And uh, I brought it up to, to a few people that I, I respected and everybody thought it was the dumbest fucking thing in the world. They thought you'd get really fat if you really only ate time-restricted feeding, which is what I, I practice now every day. I eat from about 4 p.m. And, and I don't eat anymore after 8, 9 p.m. I get all my, all my calories for the day. I, I get in in about four, four to six hour period. And what he suggested that the warrior diet was great for was just to kind of stay lean without going too crazy over what you eat. Like you can have some carbohydrates, fats or whatever. And as long as you, you keep it in the small window, 
uh, you're not going to put it on as, as fat um, as much oh, as, no. as people who yeah, eat from, from morning to night. Deep Pasquale did do a keto type of diet. I, the guy you're talking about is Ori somebody, like a Swedish name. I don't remember. I, I wrote for his magazine. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it now. I'm looking for it now to make Ori sure. Ori Hoffenmeiger is something or other. Um, the, the Warrior Diet. Okay, so August 6, 1999. Uh, let's see here. It's my article. Yeah, I just found the Warrior not, the word, Diet Fat Loss. It's like a so feast or famine type of diet, feast or famine. So well, the, the, the principle behind that was that, you know, in ancient so times. TC, so, TC, so, so the guy who wrote the article was T.C. Loma. Okay. And this is an interview with Penthouse editor Ori Huffmeckler. That's what I the said. warrior diet. Yeah, the, the concept behind that was that in ancient times, you know, humans didn't eat, they didn't graze the way we do. In other words, they ate a piece of fruit on their way to killing the, the buffalo. So it was all about eating meat and getting and getting meat. But you know what? I, I don't know how much validity there is to that because those people were dead at forty. You know, and just like you, you you don't eat a certain amount of foods after a certain. Oh, uh, this is before penicillin, obviously, right? So was that? As before penicillin, obviously. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, yeah, I mean the penicillin. Exp- yeah. I, 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 uh, no, but um, see the way you're planning your diet. That's great. You don't eat after like eight o'clock. So you know you have your calories of the day and that's a good way of controlling it. However, if you ate the same amount of calories spread out randomly, you get the same results. It's just really? that the okay. way you're doing it is just for your own sense to control it. And that's yeah. great. Everybody's and, and you, know, you, you, know, you know what? This journey in fitness really is very personal because all of our bodies do do respond differently, different foods. We're just talking about how genetics plays 90% of the role in, in being a, a professional top level guy. And at least in, in my personal, what I found is that keeping my, cause I'm a, I'm a pudgy fucker. Like I'll get, I'll get puffy and pudgy. I, I don't have great genetics to stay lean. Like I'll get fat really fast. And I just, I, I've got to keep my carbs low and keep my insulin low. That's another thing too that I that I like about time restricted feeding, Nelson. Is you don't you're not discharging insulin through your body all day, and you know if we're looking at life, right, as long term, 60, 70 years, you know the the less insulin you make available to to cancer cells that could be living in your body, you know the better. And there are also processes that that insulin gets in the way of, like we discussed well, what yesterday. About is what Vince Gironda advocated, and that's yeah. just smaller meals throughout the day. You know, instead of the three big meals that most people eat, he yeah. suggested just just eat enough. But but but, but but when you but when you when you when you feed all day long, you're 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 raising insulin every single time. Your insulin stays elevated; it doesn't just stay up; it stays elevated yeah. the whole day. So if you Which, eat if you eat in a window versus eating spread out, Nelson, and I, I you know, Rick kind of turned me on to this as well. But what Rick is and, saying and, is your insulin levels will not stay elevated, you know, throughout that whole time. It's just in that window you're eating. And it's, and it's something that's worked for a lot of fat boys like us, Steve, because you and I have fat boy genetics, which so Nelson obviously does not. a little different, but yeah. I, I would make this argument. Yeah, your, your insulin levels are a little bit elevated, but they're at a lower level if you just graze. You know, if you're eating a big meal, you get a big insulin spike. So it's kind of the trade-off. You know, this will... This will be this will be a good debate for us to continue on. Man. I I, I, I think that yeah. uh, the, the thing is like Jason Fung has done research on this and he's actually put out charts on this. And if you just wake up in the morning at six a.m. and throw food at your body, even if it's a small amount, you're still spiking your insulin. 
I mean, I'm not saying waking up and eating, you know, IHOP, you know, and drenching tons of syrup on your pancakes, but it's like just the normal meal. You're still going to spike your typical breakfast. Huh? That's my typical breakfast now. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I hop and then he, <laughs> you guys in New York and, and up there, you guys are too. In, in Italy, in Italy, breakfast is like sweets and coffee. And there's not a whole lot of fat people there. Why is that? Well, no, but if you go in the, the blue zone and it's Sardinia, they don't eat breakfast. All the blue zones, they don't eat breakfast. That's oh unheard God. of. The blue zones. So if you go to Sardinia, Italy, they don't eat breakfast. So, so, so the blue zone now are, are places that have been identified uh, places in the world where people live the longest. You know, that. that well, that the, the places where people live the longest are the places where people have a lot of social interaction. That, yeah, that's one of the things, too. Yeah, there's a bunch of things, but fasting is one of the, the main points. Like, they don't wake up in the morning like Americans who just throw a ton of food at their body and, right. you know, spike their insulin sky. But we don't have a problem in this country. And I, you know, with type two diabetes and obesity, like you can't say that it doesn't have to do with these huge breakfasts that we're being told that breakfast is the most important right. meal of the day. Like the cereal, we got to give our kids tons of cereal, milk, and we got to go to IHOP and have like the, the Grand Slam breakfast at Denny's. I used to eat that, by the way. It, it didn't work well for me. <laughs> Uh, no, you, well, you're exactly what you're saying. They always say breakfast is the most important uh, meal of the day. I never bought into that. I'm a light breakfast eater. I'll have just, you know. Uh, no, that's what in the Mediterranean diet, they do have like a light breakfast, maybe like a piece of toast and some coffee. Then they'll have a big lunch and then they'll have like a moderate dinner. That's it. But in yeah, America, well, we, in America we eat like six, six, seven meals a day and we snack. You know, during uh, every night we snack from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. watching the Law & Order SVU or whatever the hell people watch. I, I like watch sports. There's no sports right now. So. <laughs> well, when I, when I talk about grazing, I'm not talking about the – that was kind of a 90s concept where you had like, you know, seven small meals. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, you know, you can have little snacks throughout – healthy snacks throughout the day between your three meals. I know what you're saying about the insulin spike. I, I just don't think that – you know, everybody's different with that. Personally, I never felt it to be an issue. Um, I didn't, because I've tried everything. I've tried. You got to try it all. Yeah, tried, you got to try it all. Yeah. I've tried big meals, small meals, all meat. You know, I've tried everything. And I, I just found that it, it didn't really seem to make that much of a difference one way or the other. So what are you doing? What, what, what have you been doing? Three small meals, four small meals? What, what are you doing, I basically? Do, um, Pretty much three small meals. Yeah, I don't, I don't do the graze all day long thing anymore because, well, like I was saying, I used to uh, put a whole bunch of hard-boiled eggs and pop them because I wanted to get protein. I had to have protein in my system. But I'm 66 years old. I'm not going to get any bigger. I'm not going to get any more muscular. This is the size that I am. So I don't need to do that. I don't need to keep feeding my body protein all day long. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty much a light breakfast. And if I have a heavy lunch, I have a light dinner. If I have a light lunch, I have a heavy dinner. And then maybe a little snack before breakfast, before bed, which I probably shouldn't have. But, you know, that, that would be uh, the most honest assessment of my basic diet. All right. Yeah. All right. So let's move on, guys. That was a, that was a great discussion. We're going to get into a couple controversial ones. The first one is SARMs. And Nelson, definitely, like, be honest about this. Um, you're not a big fan of SARMs. Tell us about – tell us why, why that is. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, well, the day I heard about SARMs <laughs> and heard that they weren't uh, suppressive, I'm like, I'm calling bullshit on that. Any exogenous uh, um, compound that you put into your system 
that increases, uh, that adds testosterone is going to suppress you. That's just is, is the way it is. Um, so basically, I mean, I tried them. I, I, I think my, I, my takeaway from them is that they are not approved the way people got to realize like testosterone is an approved by the, you know, they all were. All were. Anadrol was approved. Anavar was approved. Trembolone was approved. They yeah, these were all. Yeah. all uh, well, Trembolone wasn't approved <laughs> for human use. But uh, Parabolin. Pa Parabolin. Nagma France. Parabolin. That's true. Trembolone. That, yeah. that is true. But um, yeah, Psalms are you know this experiment. But I think that the attraction to them was, was twofold. That they weren't. And some of them were abandoned by the companies to start testing them. Abandoned the drugs in development. But uh, the attraction was that they're not suppressive, and they are, and that they're legal. And I get it. I absolutely get it. But I think that if, you know, I, you gave somebody a, a, an option between testosterone and SARMs, you know, you, testosterone wins every, you know, every day. I think the argument is, though, Nelson, they're less suppressive. You say, you agree with that? They're less suppressive? Like, I'll give you an example. Like, you, you go on testosterone. Your LH is, LH is going to tank to zero. Your pituitary glands are just going to shut down. But it's on, on SARMs, your LH is going to drop probably 50%. It's going to go from six to three. Then when you come off, it's going to be quicker to rebound. Like if you came off TRT right now and tried to rebound your pituitary glands, it wouldn't work out too well. Oh, if you came, yeah, if you came off SARMs, it'd be a lot easier. So that, I think, gives the advantage of that. Do you, but, you, but do you agree with that? And do you think it's, it's at least that's an advantage? Is it worth it, basically? Is that advantage worth it? I think that's impossible to gauge because you have to go by what kind of gains you get. Now, if you determine how, all right, let me ask you this. How much SARMs would it take to equal 500 megs of testosterone a week? I mean, in terms of, in terms of what? In terms of how much you, you gain? Know, you know, Nelson, the, all, the, all the different quote-unquote SARMs, because they're not all really SARMs that, that, that are I'm under the umbrella, they all work so different that you'd have to, to get five, to get the, in my opinion, to get the results of 500 mg a week of testosterone, you'd have to put together something like Osterin and S4 or Osterin and S23 or something like that, stack them together, and, and it's a different story. I, I'm not even that... I, I would even, even go, I would even go further. I would say you, you, if you were to run like a gram of testosterone, you would never, no matter how much SARMs you, you ran, would ever be able to equal that. Because well, there, you know, one, so, so, so one thing, so, so one thing, so one thing, guys, when, when SARMs came on the scene, the one thing everybody thought is, okay, not suppressive. The structures are not compatible with aromatase enzyme. They're not going to raise your estrogen level. They can't convert. Um, they're not, they're not going to suppress, right? But then we realized that, hey, these things, these psalms are competing with your natural estrogen, with your natural testosterone. They're competing for those androgen receptor sites. So when you add psalms, your, your free testosterone that's flowing around in your system just rises because the, the, it's competing with, with testosterone for those receptors. So then your own natural testosterone will, become, will get aromatized and, and that can cause a little bit of a, of, a, of a suppression. And this is something at the very start when SARMs began to, to be used, a lot of guys didn't, didn't understand. Now, SARMs are milder. So if you run a proper post-psychotherapy, you can add them in a little bit to help you not lose your muscle mass as you're coming off. That's my point. But, yeah, but you got to really know what the fuck you're doing and, and not resuppress yourself again. Like you got to know what you're using, how much, and you just, just get enough of an anabolic effect with, with no suppression, small amounts, short, short while, and you can utilize them there. But 
guys that try to you know guys that try to bridge with psalms i mean you're, you're going to suppress yourself depending on what you use let me, let me just say this and i'll let nelson come back when i was i ran uh when i hit my personal records back when i was powerlifting i was i was benching over 400 okay i'm only i'm only five six i'm a little guy i was benching over 400 more than twice my weight which is which is crazy i tore my rotator cuff in the process but i was running trend and anavar right that's how i had my personal records now if I were to use SARMs to try to hit re-hit that personal record, assuming, you know, I was healthy and everything and assuming I could go back five years, I wouldn't be able to do it on SARMs. It's impossible. But on the flip side, Trent also caused me to injure my shoulder. It caused me to probably herniate a disc. It caused my cholesterol levels to go from like 160 to 220. It caused my blood pressure to go up. It caused me to break up with my girlfriend. You see what I'm saying? So in that aspect, I would say SARMs has an advantage, but no, it's never, you're never going to be able to equate it to, to steroids for sure. Well, That's kind of, let, let me, let me get back to my original point. Let's, let's, I started to say 500 milligrams of testosterone a week, which is a moderate cycle. Okay. Whatever you would need in something we can't compare it to trend. Obviously trend is in its, its own league. I mean, in terms of effects and also in terms of side effects, but to get the comparable effects of 500 milligrams of testosterone, whatever the dosage of SARMs is, is equally suppressive. Yeah. That's the end of that statement. <laughs> <laughs> so in other words, it comes down to risk versus benefit. I mean, how much benefit are you getting at? You can't compare a SARM cycle to a trend cycle and say, well, you know, the trend's more effective and the SARM's less suppressive. You did a lighter cycle. I'm talking you know, about I, incomparable cycles. You know, legalities aside, because one of the reasons a lot of guys use SARMs because they're so quite easy to buy and get, because guys are able to, to traffic them and not worry about going to jail. Um, well, that's it. I, I get yeah, it. I understand. Yeah, that, that, I mean, that's the one advantage that a lot of guys, but look, yeah. I, guess, I guess there's one SARM that I've had experience with that I think really works differently and, and better than, than any steroid as far as doing that. And that's GW for, for fat loss and endurance. I, I haven't, now, I can't talk about it for muscle gains or anything like that. But as far as you, you add that GW into a, into a cutting cycle, into your, your diet program, that fat just, just noticeably, noticeably melts off a lot quicker. And that's something that Anavar doesn't do, even though it's known as a fat burner. Winstrol will dry you up, water retention dry up, but it's not really making, promoting fat loss the way GW does. Now, what keeps me away from using GW a lot more because it's pretty, pretty side effect free. And if anything, you feel great on it. Shit, I mean, just, just the endurance you get on it, it's effortless. It's just that GW hasn't been around that long. We don't quite know what's going to happen yet. When I take Anovar, when I take Masteron, whatever, there are decades of guys behind me that have taken these same steroids. Before even those guys began taking them, they went through FDA approval processes. They were released into the market. They were just replaced by better drugs. But they, they were out in the marketplace there's been enough well, stuff that's my issue yeah and i and i don't and there isn't that for gw there isn't that for osterin there isn't any of that for any of these other for any of these other compounds so that's why even though i felt great on gw probably one of the better performance enhancement and just feeling good compounds i've ever tried the only reason i don't abuse the hell out of it more is because fuck man i don't what if what if 10 years from now we figure out that Ostrin, that, that gw it's, it's doing something to your, to your DNA or something crazy like that that won't manifest itself until later That's on. That's my issue with the, the whole peptide thing. I mean, some of the peptides are pretty interesting and they're pretty effective, but uh, 
they're new and they're they're untested. Very new, very new. Yeah, very new. And uh, and I, I've uh, experimented a little bit with that too. I mean, there are some that are better than others, but I have to say, every single one of them had a bad side effect. Every single peptide avatar. There's been two generations of bodybuilders that lived and died uh, and used it since Dianabol, Anadrol, all those things were on the market. We're, we are just the first generation of bodybuilders now just getting our hands on SARMs. And yeah, that, that, that's one thing to, to definitely. Well, SARMs has been around long enough. I mean, people aren't dropping dead from them. Um, that, that is true. That is very true, at least in the short term. But we know 10, 15 years now that, that we know already. Yeah, and look, I don't years. want to encourage anybody to do anything illegal. But I'm just saying, in a straight-up comparison in terms of efficacy and in terms of uh, side effects, I think that, you know, steroids win. All right, guys. So the next one, this is another fun one. We're going to talk about Nelvadex. I remember when I was first on Elite Fitness back in the day, and Nelson used to fight with everybody about Nelvadex. It was hilarious. <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> Nelson's, like, shaking his head. it, too. Clove it. I hate that shit. It's funny though, all those guys who are arguing with you, now they're on TRT for life and they're like half your age. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it must have not worked. But I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not a big fan of these, these Novadex only PCTs that guys run. They guys run like 100 milligrams a day of uh, Novadex and 300 milligrams a day of Clomid. They're like, oh, let me just throw drugs at my body, you know, power PCT. Because they think if they, they throw drugs at their HPTA, it's going to force the HPTA to recover. So although I do think these serms have a place in PCT, if you're just throwing a bunch of drugs at your body, that's not the way to recover. Only your body can recover. And that's something that I learned from you, Nelson, years ago, that only your body can recover. Because think about it. If you could just throw drugs at your body, no one would need TRT. Everyone would just throw serms at their body and they'd magically recover. So tell us a little bit about that. Um, like, because like back in those days, everyone was like pro- running tons of serms of PCT and you came around, were you one of the few voices that came around and said, you know what, this isn't the optimal way to run PCT? I think I was actually the first person to speak out against Clomid. And I don't know if you know who uh, John Chrysler is. He was a famous, um, you know, one of these male clinic doctors. And uh, he was a big fan of Clomid. And he was also a little bit of a, he's a little insane. He actually threatened to sue me and report me to the AMA um, because I gave him a big argument on Clomid because he said there were all these studies that showed how they increased testosterone. And I asked him one simple question. I said, show me one study of somebody who used Clomid and two months after they stopped using it, their testosterone was still elevated. Essentially what you're doing when you take any of these drugs is you're just switching from one to another. It's like ACG. You just you're going to drop at some point. At some point, you're going to have to. It's manipulating it. your HBTA while it's in your system. And then when you yeah. stop taking it, if your body isn't going to be recovering on its own, then it's kind of like, it's kind of like driving a car up a hill, then shutting the engine off in San Francisco. You're at the top of the hill and then right. the car's just going to keep going. Yeah, it's going to slide backwards. Yeah. So, yeah it's exactly the uh, analogy. Um, as far as Novadex goes, <laughs> That was a drug that Dan Chang came up with, which he knew was an anti-cancer drug. It's site-specific. So guys were getting gynecomastia. Dan Chang realized gynecomastia is a benign tumor. So, hey, maybe this anti-cancer drug is a good thing for that. It does nothing to restore the HPTA. Nothing. But here we are, 20-something years later, and people are still taking it for, for PCP, PCT. 
And then the side effects of Nova. Have you ran it, by the way? Have you you run them, right? Yeah. Oh, and well, what's well, it It's interesting. First of all, to Clomid, I kept on hearing all these stories about how it was like this great, you know, sex stimulant. It killed my dick. Just killed it. And I did an interview with somebody where I mentioned that. I said, you know, what about Clomid and libido? And they said, like, oh, yeah, these porn stars, they say Clomid. And then I started seeing all these people on message boards talking about Clomid. Yeah, it gives you big loads. I'm like, this is just complete horseshit. You know, now some people, may, they may get a little libido boost from it because it increases estrogen. It's a, it's a, it is an estrogen, Clomid. Um, but it absolutely killed my dick. And Novodex is very similar in structure to, um, to Clomid. So, uh, and it's also highly toxic. Like, these are drugs that can cause cancer. What, uh, what, what, what organ is it specifically uh, being toxic to or just general? Uh, liver, kidneys, pancreas. Um, also, Clomid has a weird side effect of causing vision problems. Um, but uh, it, stroke is another possibility with Clomid. Um, so uh, these are, you know, uh, the, you know, the, the, the SARM S4 does something like that too, funny enough. Uh, uh, well, S4 is different. Once you take it, one of the metabolites it converts into can actually, uh, attach to your retina and it, and it turns tint. There you go. You don't want vision. to fuck your eyesight. It turns a fucking tint in your vision right after yeah, you, you that. Yeah, you don't want that shit. I just think there's no place for Novodex within a bodybuilder's, uh, arsenal. I mean, if you actually have bitch tits, I, get them cut out. It's a 10-minute procedure, costs a couple hundred bucks, done. Did, did Novodex back in the 80s, um, was when it first started, was that just something that, it was like their only option? Because they didn't have aromatism inhibitors. Do you think that that's why guys started using it heavily and then it kind of, then they came up with the idea for PCT, like you said, Dan Duchesne maybe came up with the idea? Look, it yeah, does, undeniably, undeniably does work. If you have hard mass or hard, are you feeling density under your nipples and you start taking Novodex, that density will go away. Oh yeah, I mean, no, it, it does. It'll, it'll fucking work. work. That's why. That's why guys kept using it, you know, and, exactly. and that's why. And, and you notice this too, Nelson. We discussed this on our on the podcast we recorded yesterday. You saw dosing start to climb up pretty steadily. Um, once Dan started telling people, "Hey, use Novadex for that guy," you know, the guys started using more steroids. And then once Arimidex and, and Aromasin came out, yeah. then guys really started pouring on the fucking steroids because you could you could, you could get away with with using these high amounts and not worry about estrogen getting, getting out of hand. Right, and that's the reason why people started thinking that, oh, this just kind of goes hand in hand with steroid use. But first of all, not everybody is susceptible to bitch tits. I, I never, well, I never- You know, really... I, I've said this on the podcast and I haven't discussed it with you, Nelson, but I had gyno as, as a child. I had small uh, well, lumps under, under my nipples. So I've, I've relied on, on Novidex pretty heavily with, with cycles because that's always been my, my biggest challenge. But why not just take drugs that don't aromatize? What was that? Why not just take drugs that don't aromatize? You know, I've I actually, testosterone sits, sits incredibly well with my body, makes me feel good. I, I grow well on it. And you know, the, the drugs that sit really well with my body that I feel do really well, are both aromatized, which are testosterone and, and equipoise. And I've, I've found a good, in me personally, I found a really good balance, a little bit of Novodex, and, and just not doing too much testosterone EQ. Well, if you were my client, <laughs> what I would say is take enough testosterone where you don't get the side effects, you can do some Primo, you can do some Anavar, and you take as much as you can take without having to take no. So here, so I'm your client, I'm gonna throw this one at you. So I'm your client and I, I, only, I only use steroids when I'm out of the States. 
because I'm, you know, because of everything I do, I feel like I'm a target over there. And plus, I don't use steroids that many months out of the year. So if I'm out of the country for about four to six weeks, sometimes eight, that's when I'll run a cycle. So I'll tend to do... Uh, I'll tend to do more or higher dosing than I would do if I was able to stay on maybe a little bit longer when I'm in stateside. So yeah, I mean, I do small kind of six to eight week cycles, uh, maybe twice a year, sometimes if I'm able to three times a year. And I just do it when I'm out of the US and I can buy human grade testosterone from Pharmacia, that's, that's you know, bona fide, then I'll, I'll do that. So that, this is kind of why my dosing gets, gets like that. And then when I'm back in the States, Nelson, I use HG Generate, I use Entuslin, Obviously, Entugard I use with every cycle all the time. It's, it's what do you think I should do? You think I should still keep my doses low if, if I'm only doing a six week cycle? Eight week cycles? You don't need an Olodex. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> you know, you know what it is. I need, I, uh, I had gyno as a, as a child, obviously, natty just from, just from puberty. So, in, in my particular why, case, why don't you get the operation? That's a good question, bro. I, I so I saw, I've seen some guys that have gotten it and they have an indented nipple. Also, I could go to Dr. Blau, who's the fucking man. I interviewed him. Dr. Blau worked on Dave Palumbo, on, on Kovacs, on just a bunch of, of guys. Dr. Blau, he's, he's out of NY. And the way he kind of explains it is he doesn't remove all of the gland. He just removes some of it. Operations like four or five grand. But then if you... If you keep fucking with steroids and, and your gland, can, it could get, could get it back again. Cause he doesn't remove the whole thing. He, just it back again. Yeah. Yeah. he keep removes a section of it. So it's been one of those things. Like, do I spend the five G's go under the knife, you know, be under, under anesthesia, which I, I try not to through my lifetime. I don't, I don't want to be under, under full anesthesia as much as I can avoid it. I don't, I don't like that. Like I don't like coming dead. back to anesthesia. I don't do, I, I've had to, it, it's, I've had to do it a couple of times. I broke my nose fighting and, you know, different things. So I, I've had to, but man, I, I'd rather not. So I've been avoiding the, the operation, but I think Nelson, I think going into 40 has been a lot harder and harder to keep my chest dry with, with just the Nova alone. I, I've now had to resort. I actually have my own stash of formistain and I, and I make my own topical formistain mix. Um, and I put that on my, on my chest to, to dry it up. But man, as he gets older, I think I might end up having to go to Dr. Blau and, and get that, get the, get the glands removed. Well, again, yeah, I mean, you're an example of somebody that's highly sensitive to it. And the Novodex does work. I'm just saying personally, from a health standard, I'm, I always think in terms of health, that uh, it, it's not really something good to be taken in the long term. I think you're better off just going with Winstrol, Anovar, Primabol, and Equipoise. These drugs don't yeah, work. Definitely, the, the main, the main uh, uh, cost for this podcast is to kind of help guys, give guys the information so they can get to where they want to get physique wise using as little of these drugs as they possibly can get away with, you know, really getting those doses down to where you're just using the, the most effective amount. You're not overdoing it. You're not wasting money and, and fucking your health up for, for gains that aren't sustainable. So yeah, definitely that is, that is what, what we try to push in a podcast. And look, if you can, like Nelson just said, if you can run your testosterone and not need Novodex, fuck it, like do that. If you can run your, your Dianabol, your testosterone, low enough dosing, and you don't need to take Nova, you don't need to take anti-ease, that's what you should do. Once you, once you start taking enough of the drugs where you really need the anti-ease, need anti-estrogen, you might want to think about lowering dose before adding more drugs to deal with side effects from the dose being too high. So definitely uh, is, is what we've been pushing on the podcast for the last year or so that I've been here. All right, so 
So Nelson's basically saying don't run aromatizing compounds if you're sensitive to gyno. Right, Nelson? And then for PCT, what do you what do you like for PCT then? For PCT? Um, I think PCT it should be a natural process because what you want to do is get your body operating, you know, at a normal level. Now I know HCG is controversial. Some people like it, some people don't. I don't think it cures anything. I do think it is good to give the body a little punt to sort of get it, you know, get the limbic cells moving. Um, but that's about as far as it goes. I mean, it, it's not a cure all by any means. Once you do that, I think you want to do, you want to take certain substances that help testosterone. I'm a big believer in adenocosides. I think that they help uh, increase free testosterone. So even if your testosterone is low, if you have more free testosterone, at least you're, you're feeding your body the necessary androgens. So you're, you're afraid of what? What is it? Uh, what did you say? Venacosides. It's an herb? It's an it, herb? It's an extract of an herb. Okay. It's an and you can, okay, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, I actually believe in using herbs. Well, now people could just use Vi Viagra or Cialis, but there are herbs that also increase nitric oxide. Now, nitric oxide doesn't directly increase testosterone, but it does improve erectile function. And improved erectile function means you're going to have more sex, and if you have more sex, you're going to secrete more testosterone. So this is the way to really get the body going. Because what happens with a lot of guys that come up cycle, they lose their sex drive, and they just crash. And because they have no libido, they don't have sex. So it stays crashed. So uh, those are a couple of things that uh, people could do. I, there's a product called Bridge, which I think is excellent. That could also help in terms of uh, increasing natural testosterone. And uh, that's it in time. That's it. That's all you can really do. And, and not take a cycle that's so heavy that you, you know, you're down to zero. All right. So guys, uh, we have two more topics. Let's hit them. Next one is secrets to anti-aging and body maintenance. So Nelson, you're 66. Um, and those of you who aren't, who are listening to this, you can't see Nelson, but Nelson does not look 66. I mean, that's, it's ridiculous. He looks like he's, you know, half that age. So Nelson, you got to tell us some of your secrets to anti-aging. I'm assuming you don't smoke. You've never smoked or you haven't smoked. You don't do drugs. You don't do alcohol, right? Right off the bat. Um, or you smoke pot or anything like that. I, I used to smoke weed, never a heavy smoker, but I can't do it anymore because it gets me paranoid. I okay, miss so the, you don't think the weed affected aging in a bad way then? You know what? I actually would smoke cigarettes very light. I was one of these people, people where people would say, oh, I wish I could smoke like you. I have like two or three cigarettes a day. And I'm like, yeah, I look at it like a piece of candy. I think anything in moderation isn't going to kill you. I mean, I've known people that have lived this strict lifestyle where they just never eat anything bad, never do anything bad, they're still going to die. Steve Jobs. The body is meant to tolerate a certain amount of abuse. You just, you don't beat it up. And I and think you, that's the Okay. And you haven't abused steroids in your life. You never use a lot of stuff. Okay. Uh, so I, 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 I never went over, um, I don't think I've ever hit a gram. I think the most I've taken. If you think you, you abuse steroids, you think you probably, you would have reduced your life span. Based on your friends, your peers, I think I've on your peers, you, have your peers been dropping dead who have been abusing steroids for, for years? Um, and avoid those side. You know, it's like drinking. If I have a beer, that's not going to affect my body one way or another. But if I have a bottle of vodka, that's going to do some damage. So it's really, it's all about the amount. Okay. 
So tell us some other anti-aging tips that you do. Do you do yoga? Do you do like stretching? Do you do massage therapy? Do you, what are some, do you do cryotherapy? I've never done that before. Like, is there a little <laughs> tricks and tips that you have? <laughs> so, uh, you know what? I think that um, I'm a, I'm, I take a shotgun approach to a lot of things. It's like if something possibly might help, I go for it. I don't have any uh, specific dogma to that. I think that maintaining the way you look, it's funny, I see a lot of these older guys, I was telling Rick the other day, I did a show, you know, with, with, for older contestants. Some of these guys look awesome, but they looked old. And I'm thinking like, dude, if you have like a great body, why don't you like fix your face, you know? So just being conscious of, you know, looking good and having a, you know, the, the proper attitude. And, you know, it's not a, I, I tell some of the older people, being young or acting young isn't trying to, you know, act like you're a teenager. It's just, you know, kind of being comfortable with yourself and being curious and continuing to learn and, you know, just being, send that, send, this is a little metaphysical, but you got to send that message to the universe that I'm vital. I still got shit to do. So, you know, if you got to always have that attitude. And I think that helps keep the youthfulness going. That and exercise is number one. Keep maintaining the exercise, working out where it's hard enough where you're, building your body, but not so hard where you beat yourself up. And other than that, uh, yeah, just avoiding the shit that you know is bad. Too much food, too much, you know, booze, whatever it might be. What about pizza? What about, Botox? what about Botox? <laughs> so you fuck with Botox at all? Um, I have to confess, I've, I've, I've done a little Botox, yeah. Dabble with it? You know, I'm... I'm being offered a, a Botox treatment down here in South America. It's not approved in the state size yet, but it, it's quite different. See, I'm, I have a problem with teeth grinding and I have these huge muscles around my head and my chin like a pit bull and I grind the hell out of my teeth. My, my, my jaw is just too strong and my, the, the treatment I'm being offered is that they will inject Botox inside of like deep inside the jaw muscles. I know nothing about that. Yeah, take some of that strength away to actually atrophy. I'm, I'm talking about like a little yeah. frown line here. Yeah. Get a shot. Okay, I'm you good. Just get, a, just get a little shot. Yeah, and I'm actually, I'm, I'm actually considering this treatment now because I, I grind my teeth and I'm continuously at the dentist getting, you know, but getting. But wearing a. Um... Well, I do. I do. I do wear it, but I mean, they last me a, a couple months. I chew right through them. It's pretty incredible. And I, I, mean, I started I, using one myself. Uh, bro, I, I don't suffer from anxiety. I, I meditate. I, I really, bro, I'm like the calmest dude you've ever met. But just when I'm sleeping, I grind the fuck out of my teeth. And um, my, my being offered Botox deep in the muscle to, to kill some of that strength. So I don't. I don't well, do Botox that. is actually, it, it paralyzes the muscle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd have to get the treatment every couple of years. Uh, and apparently, you know, some people that I know, my, my That's dentist, up to you. Would have got it. <laughs> But I mean, this pretty, I mean, I'm, I've been thinking about it now for months I, and, and researching it before I, I go ahead and do it. So how, how often do you get uh, the Botox done and how much does it cost? Now? Oh, like once a year. Yeah, I, 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 now I guess I'm talking about my cosmetic shit. Okay. I've gotten Botox. Oh, we're, we're talking about everything, dude. Okay. You know, and I've gotten, it's, uh, it's about looking good. Fuck that. We're going we're gonna to look good. And if, if, you, if, you, if somebody can shoot testosterone into their ass to get muscles, you can <laughs> shoot a little Botox in your face to get rid of some wrinkles. I have gotten, Let's just get that uh, out of the table now. I've gotten filler with, and because I tend to get like a little sunken over here. So I get filler, which is hyaluronic acid. Just a little, you know, teardrops here is like, you know, five bills. Um, like once a year. Once a year, they're a little freshen up. How long does the filler last if you, if you make the investment? About a year. The well, well, 
it's an interesting thing because I used to get it about once a year and now I'm finding like after about nine months, I'm like, hmm, why? Because I don't make as much collagen as I did when I was, you know, 10 years Have you ago. messed with plasma in, in, injections or not? What's that? Have you messed with the plasma injections? I have had plasma injections in my knee. In your knee? Where they withdraw the blood, they spin it, yeah. they centrifuge it, and then they inject it back. Yeah, I had that in my knee. I had a torn meniscus. The doctor said to me, you've got to get surgery or you're going to be limping. And I said, just watch me, dude. There's no so, way I was getting out of the surgery. So guys listening, um, yesterday, uh, we, I, I pimped it in the last podcast that Nelson was was on yesterday nelson and i recorded our first podcast of uh age of muscle the age of muscle podcast you can go to ageofmuscle.com theageofmuscle.com and it'll send you right to, to our podcast and these are subjects we're going to cover we're going to go into botox we're going to go into plasma injections we're going to go into surgery we're going to go into everything and anything that old guys like us over 40 can pull out of the bag to just look good, you know, and still, still get some girls even at our age, right? So um, these are all things that we're going to be covering. The podcast is mostly a podcast for older men that want to extend their life, extend their vitality, look good, feel good into old age. And, you know, Nelson is perfect guy to do it. And I'm getting to that zone now where I really have to take care of myself going into 40. So for all you guys out there that are older guys, over 35, 40, 50, and you want to know just how to look good, how to feel good, and we're going to talk about everything. We're going to talk about responsible steroid use for older guys. We're going to talk about some of these other, uh, other things, other kind of treatments that you, can, that you can do that are not specifically steroids, but you still help you look good. We're even going to get into training, different training methodologies, different diet programs that are more suitable for guys in our, in our age group. So uh, theageofmuscle.com. Check it out, guys. Uh, just a, a quick pimp for uh, the new uh, weekly, weekly podcast Nelson and I'll be doing. Well, you mentioned what uh, the, your doctor said uh, about 40 and 50. And I got to tell you, when I was in my 40s, I thought I beat aging. I beat aging. I, I, I was the best I ever looked. It was the strongest I've ever been. Once you hit around 50, 55, you're like, oh, okay. You know? It's catching up. It's catching up. <laughs> you, just, you just start to feel it. You, know? you just don't recover as quickly. You don't have the flexibility. Yeah, I feel, I feel, listen, going into 40, I feel good. I'm not on any medication. <laughs> I'm going to 40, bro. My body. Thing, See, everybody figures they hit 40. They're like, oh, I'm getting old. That's bullshit, man. 40, I feel good, bro. My, my abs, my abs are showing. I, I go, when I go roll with guys, I'm beating the shit out of 20 something year olds and doing jujitsu. I still spar full contact. I still ride my mountain bike. I still fuck 20 something year old girls. I mean, I, I feel good as hell for 40, man. And it's, it's kind of scary to think that this, this can start to slip away from you. Of course it does. But I think the things that we're talking about, you know, keeps it going longer, you know? I notice I'm, I'm still as strong, but I notice I'm a little bit slower now when it comes to maybe reaction time when I'm sparring. Even I, That's I, why I you don't see any 40-year-old fighters. I taped myself hitting the, the bag the other day. And I'm like, holy shit, I'm, I'm slow as fuck. And I, I, I'm naturally moving my, my joints just a little bit slower. My body knows that I can fuck something up. If I, if I try to throw a tie kick the way I did, you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, I know I can't, I can't do that anymore. And yeah, the first thing to go, I notice is, is the speed, I think, the quickness. Your body just, I think your body puts a, in a golf cart, they call it the governor that doesn't let the golf cart go above a certain speed. I think as, as you get older and your, body, and your joints start to give you some of that feedback that, that, oh, don't do that, 
I think your brain subconsciously begins to call back and reel back some of these movements that, that could hurt you. Well, your, your cells don't replicate as fast. See, the body has this amazing ability to heal itself, which is, which is the reason why I decided not to get meniscus surgery. I knew I could heal my meniscus. It would take some time, it would take some work, but I could do it. But as you get older, even with the plasma treatment, the doctor was telling me that some of these star athletes, they're getting plasma from like 16-year-olds because they have more of the stem cells. So even with the plasma treatments, it's still my own plasma and it's old plasma. <laughs> it helped, but again, everything isn't quite as functional after a certain age. But what are you gonna do? You just gotta fight it and keep going. And I think my generation is- Oh, uh, dude, you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna have me out there looking for girls to take to the clinic instead of the hotel. <laughs> So, so you want the plasma from, from, from younger people, huh? Is that, is that, is that how it is? That, that's an insanely expensive process, obviously. It's not something that most people would get, but if you're, you know, if you're a star football player and making, you know, six million a year, you can afford it, yeah. Tom yeah, Brady the, supposedly the, did that. Tom Brady did it. Oh, yeah? We're kind of laughing at him about it, yeah. There you go. Yeah, some of these injuries, like that, like the meniscus, like you mentioned, yeah, with enough time, you can you can you can heal it on your own and be fine. But if you're a soccer player and you only have an active playing life of a certain amount, you're gonna go get that surgery and be back on the field making some money really fast. Yeah, because you you don't have a year to take off and and you know let it let it get better. Yeah, well, that's why these guys are also shooting themselves through the core zone because they just have to get back on the field and, and playing. But um... Yeah, it has long cortisone has long term damage. It's actually a very good drug uh, for short term. As are all steroids, even not even anabolic steroids. Regular steroids are very powerful drugs for short term. Yeah, cortisone. Yeah, be careful with cortisone for sure. So that we only have a minute left, Nelson. Sure. But I wanted to ask you, share um, at sixty six because there's guys probably in their late fifties, sixties who are listening to this. What's your current? Um, steroid, TRT, HGH, you don't, you don't like peptides, you don't like SARMs, but can you tell us about what you're taking weekly or daily, HGH, um, et cetera? I wish I liked peptides. Um, I just got the, this weird-ass side effects from them, and that just told me, you know, just sort of empirically, it just told me there's something here that's no good. I felt these big spikes in blood pressure. That, that tells me it's not a healthy thing. Um, and I really love the uh, melanotan, it's, it's, I, unfortunately. I mean, it gives you skin great color, you, you, you get horny, you know? but it, it's weird. Um, as far as supplements go, dude, you got to look at my closet. I mean, people laugh. I have like two cabinets full of supplements, just like everything and anything that might be beneficial. Of course, N2 Guard is absolutely the best, you know, multi all around uh, nutrient for a daily thing. Um, it's amazing people won't even take something like that. It, like, it takes four seconds out of your life. You know, it costs a couple of bucks a day, and it could be the best thing you could do in terms of uh, maintaining your health. You know what, guys? With soil depletion and, and, and the foods that we eat now being so devoid of real nutrition, we're kind of up to that point where you've got to take multivitamins, multiminerals, which Entogard is. You just got to take it. Look, even vegans admit that they have to supplement with multivitamins, multiminerals, because they're not getting everything that they need from their diet. So they, oh, it is a very common vegan practice to actually supplement their, with, with, um, with vitamins and minerals. And Entugar does just that. Besides just keeping you safe during cycle, it, does, it is a, a full multivitamin, multimineral, which we all should be taking. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm on HRT. I mean, that's pretty much it. Um, I would love to take a little Prima Bowl now and then, but uh, 
you know, again, I'm, I'm 66. I, I had my run, and uh, that's in the past. But testosterone, I just want my testosterone level to be that of a, a healthy younger man. And I get blood tests every now and then, and it's always right around 700, 800, which is a nice, high, healthy level. And, and no H- you don't take ACH? Uh, no, yeah. I'm not a, I was telling Rick about that. I'm not a fan of growth hormone because I tend to be a little hypoglycemic. Okay. And, you know, it burns carbs so quickly, which is why you get lean on ACH, um, HGH, and, um, and we get jittery. Okay. On it. And so also, okay. um, the cancer, you know, thing scares me a little bit. With you it. think even if you're running a therapeutic dose, you can still uh, increase the chance of cancer? Um, well, like or, everything else, you know. At your age, maybe, yeah. But, you know, is that low dosage even going to do much? I don't know. So you don't want to uh, risk it? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I might actually reinvestigate that someday. Just like a small, yeah. you know. No, I definitely think if you run a high dose of HGH, you will increase your chance of cancer for sure. Well, it's the stuff you get scared, you know, stuff to worry about as you get a little older. And uh, I made it this far, so. uh, Yeah, that's one. That's one cartridge. That's one cartridge I haven't spent. I think I haven't really fought with human growth hormone a lot. I've done a couple. I did some uh, some sharing uh, human growth hormone with the pen. Really good, legitimate, great stuff. But I felt like. I'll, I'll, I'll put that cartridge in the chamber and add human growth hormone to my, to my regimen around now when I'm going, going into 40, mid 40, 50, I thought like doing it, doing it early on. It's like, why steroids, just testosterone gets me to where I need to be. But, but yeah, I think now for the, the just the, the skin recuperation, a lot of uh, healing, a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, human growth hormone, it, it works. I mean, it is the, a lot of guys agree. It's the fountain of youth, even non-bodybuilders. Uh, people it's just, Bob, yeah. Bob going to the office swears by his fucking human growth hormone. Even, even grew some more hair since he started taking it. So definitely as, as a cartridge, I'm going to be loaded in the chamber, something I'm going to be messing with now going into 40, the human growth hormone. And you know, everybody affects differently. I know uh, one guy, he, he, when he's in between cycles, he just takes GH because that works for him. That, that helps him maintain his eyes. Um, what's, there's a peptide that's called the Wolverine peptide. I forget the name of it now. It's some numbers where you supposedly heal really quickly. I've tried that. did nothing for me. There are lots of things like that. Uh, glucosamine does nothing for me. You know, everybody- There's a lot of fake stuff too. You, sometimes with the peptides too, it's really hard to, to know when you're going to get the right stuff or not. Peptides, they get, they get faked a lot. Well, it was the same company where I got the melanotan and that shit worked. Um, yeah, yeah, and that's what happens. It's just, just guys out there too that know this. Why do why do underground labs fake shit? Here's what happens: sometimes the shipment of melanotan makes it through customs, and the shipment of IGF one didn't gets held up at customs, or the factory ran out, or it comes in, and, and that batch tends to be fake. So, uh, just because you get real melanotan, a real testosterone, a real something from some from a, a lab, it doesn't mean that the second product they sent you is not. Uh, changed out whether it's something else or it's not underdose because sometimes it is out of their control that they've got the customers they've got people coming asking them for the stuff and then customers just took their shit and a lot of times they'll just change out what yes but but it's still trouble getting them into the country uh many times with a lot of compounds that are not illegal you'll get a letter from the fd from um from customs asking you to show and justify where this is going to be used even though it's not scheduled 
that. So sometimes, so sometimes they'll get, they'll get, and, and then another thing is because some, some places don't want to go through that, they'll put a different cast number, they'll, they'll put it, they'll label it as something else. And then if they, if custom tested and is mislabeled, is an automatic, they automatically take the shit. So you've got two choices. The one you send it label as is, and then if they, if they, you might get a letter asking you to justify what, how you're going to use this and, and show something. If you have a product, got to show a website. I've had to do this with herbs. They, I've had to send them, you know, links and pages to some of my products because they wanted to know where, where was this Tutka going? Where, where's this Fedoja going? So, so that they, they get held up a lot because of that, because these peptide places can't show what they're, what they're doing. So, yeah, I mean, it's, and it happens a lot with, with, uh, with the SARMs too. You know, you, you're not importing GW and importing Osterin, labeling it as GW and Osterin, and then customs is going to say, oh, oh, great. Yeah, it's not illegal. Great. What are you going to use it for? Send, send us some documentation. We just want to see who you are and, and what the commercial use of this, of this product ingredient is. And that's how a lot of these labs lose their shit and, and, and they, get a, they get their stuff held up even though it is legal. All right, guys, look, we, we discussed six great topics. It was great having Nelson on. He's very uh, knowledgeable, opinionated, a lot of fun. Um, next to one, we're going to bring Ross. Remember Ross, Nelson? Oh, wow. Well, we should, we should have Nelson. You know, <laughs> Ross, holy <laughs> shit. You know, you, you've, had, you've, had, you've had Ross, what is it, Ross Erling? You've had yeah, him yeah, we had him once. Yeah, that was a funny one. But Ross and Nelson, back in the day, they used to just go to war. That was back in the day. That was when, yeah. that was when Ross first got started into the supplement. Well, God, he must have been, what, 22 years old at the time or something? Nelson, you know what? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, since you and I are friends, I'm going to friend suggest Ross Erling on, on Facebook. Oh, I, actually, I actually was in contact with him uh, briefly a, a few years ago. I, I don't know. I don't know. Really, know what he's up to. I know he had a supplement out. It was uh, apparently doing well. I, I don't know. He says he's, got, he says he's got several. He's, he says he has several brands, and he's, he's put it. He shows his cars on, on Facebook. Yeah. He's always talking about money. Yeah, I mean, look, good, good. He's a fun guy. I like him. I, I like everybody. Yeah, good genetics. I know that. I mean, the guy was like, you know, the guy was buffed. Uh, you know, so yeah. we'll bring back some of the old crew from EF back in the day. Oh well, some of them we we got to leave behind. Uh, so. <laughs> Not all of them. <laughs> who, who was that one guy? Um, Fonzie? You remember him? Yeah. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you, know, you know who I brought up on the, on the podcast oh. a couple of episodes ago? I brought up Alter on the podcast. Alter is another one, yeah. You remember, you remember he's the guy who really used to push a, a gram of test as a base to every cycle? Remember that? Right, gram of test, um, you know, 40 milligrams of a Rimadex a day. He looked, he, he looked, I mean, I never saw one picture of him that looked like he was any sort of, like even went to a gym. Well, he pushed the whole D-Bowl bridge thing between cycles. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. Well, Bill, I mean, Bill Roberts, who's another idiot. Um, you know, look, the internet and, and message boards changed everything. People got their little, you know, clicks going. And I, I got tired of it, but um, you know the, the the way that the way that a lot of these fucking jokers got got swept out of the forums over time <laughs> is because then when when PubMed became so easily ac accessible and Wiki and all these things, now these guys that were just going on the forums selling juice and making shit up, they started to get hella cold out and hella cold out and hella cold out, and now you're in a day and age where. Now we really know how this shit works. Now there's tons of information out there. And now if you don't know your shit, if you don't know what you're talking about, a guy's going to drop a link 
on your thread that's going to completely make you look like a fucking idiot. So this is why a lot of these guys that seem smart before we, we had such easy access and so much, so much different information, then, you know, now, now it's, it's harder for guys to do that. You know, I was reading, I was reading chemical muscle enhancement. I still have the, the PDF in my computer and I was thumbing, I was scrolling through it a, a, about a week or two ago and I'm looking at it now and wow, it's such a basic non-in-depth, like such a basic, basic document that for, for its time, chemical muscle enhancement was pretty decent. Uh, it's probably uh, first time. It was a profile book. You, you never did a profile book. He did, that was a profile book that he did. Nowadays I read it and I'm like, holy shit, this thing is so light and so wrong in some things that information being available and catching up it really made for a lot of these form gurus. They just had to go away because they could, they could no longer post pictures of their pecs and then act like they knew what they were talking about because you were just a link away from, from breaking down the whole argument. And that's, that's what really happened. Well, a lot of people were also going by some of this misinformation and just not using logic. I never claimed to be an expert in pharmacology, but I know that I've proven a lot of experts wrong because I just use some common sense. You know, sometimes that's what you have to rely on. It's just, you, you know... Think about what you're doing. Think about what makes sense. Don't, don't do something because you want it to be the way you want it to be. You know, you got to do something and just be a little bit more of a pragmatic about it. Yeah, that's excellent. Well, you know, it's another great show. So Rick, um, throw out that website again, where you, um, people can uh, listen to you guys' podcasts, Nelson and Rick. Theageofmuscle.com. Okay, so I just I just looked it up and it, it wasn't working. It, it's it's gonna have time by the time this podcast gets okay. published, it'll it'll be up and ready. We just registered the URL today, and you know now we're doing the podcast a couple of weeks ahead of time. So by the time in about two weeks when this is published, not only will we have about three episodes with with Nelson going, but it'll be up everywhere: Spotify, iTunes, uh, pretty much everywhere. All right, guys, yeah, check out that podcast for Steve Smee, Rick V, and Nelson Montana. We're all on the forums if you want to hit us up. Um, another episode of Evolutionary Radio. We'll have another one up in a few days. Thanks for listening. Have a good one, guys. Have a good one, Steve. Have a good one, Nelson. Have a good yeah. one, guys. Jim. Guys, this is the required legal disclaimer. We are only sharing our experience from years of steroid use. We are not doctors, and none of what we say should be recorded as medical advice. Always check with your doctor before taking any drugs or starting any training program.